Hello and welcome to the latest episode in our new GMCC Leaders Series. The idea behind this is quite simple. Every fortnight we invite a leader from somewhere across Greater Manchester, it could be a local political leader or business leader, uh, to have a chat and answer some questions about themselves, the role they have and the wider context around Greater Manchester and, and what makes it tick. We are recording these and we're publishing them on the Chamber's YouTube channel uh, and releasing them as a podcast. So look out in the next couple of days. This should be available uh, on both those channels. We started this series two weeks ago with, uh, with Greater Manchester Chamber uh, President Robin Phillips looking at a range of business issues. And this week, I'm really pleased to welcome uh, Tom Stannard, the Chief Executive of Salford City <coughs> Council. Uh, and Salford really is beginning to get uh, to, to capture the headlines uh, around redevelopment, regeneration, and also getting a really good reputation for doing things differently. A lot of reason <coughs> there, uh, but, but for a really good reason, even more, uh, as we'll find out in a minute. Uh, so I'd like to uh, welcome Tom. Tom, welcome. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Uh, and Thanks, and you, you joined Salford in February this year as CEO. But before we get in, into your current role, just give us a run through of your career uh, and also what appealed to you about the job uh, in Salford. Yeah, th thanks, Chris, and, and great to be here today, and good morning to everybody. Thanks for joining us with the Chamber at this uh, this time of the morning. Uh, nice to see you all. Um, uh, and I, th I think, you know, th thanks for the intro, Chris, as well, because I think in a lot of ways, um, the answer to what attracted me to Salford is um, that Salford's been newsworthy for many years now. I know you say there's a lot of good momentum and positive stuff going on at this point in time, but I think... It's been a really um, positive and to some extent enviable track record for those of us who work like me in a uh, regeneration property, et cetera, type of background. Um, Salford's been a success story, um, certainly in the region in GM, but internationally really for a number of years now. And um, I think in a lot of ways that was it was that magnetism of the city that was the um, most important, most attractive thing to me. Um, uh, I've I've worked in my career in regeneration, economic development, property, and a whole host of other community regeneration-related roles um, prior to Salford in uh, Wakefield in West Yorkshire, and before that, as some of you on the call may know, um, in East Manchester in Oldham, and then also in other parts of the Northwest and in in London. So quite varied experience, but always in you know, quite challenging um, inner city urban environments, a bit like we have here in, in the city of Salford. And and it's the magnetism of the city together with that challenge combined that's really um, the most attractive thing for me. You know, we're driving the growth of Greater Manchester with Manchester itself in particular, but at the same time, we're still 17th most deprived authority in the land. So we've got quite a way to go, I would say, in terms of closing that gap. And that ambition, aspiration is very much in my DNA and in um, Paul Dennett's DNA as our, our city mayor. So that's a big, big challenge, but big opportunity for regeneration in the round, really, Chris. Absolutely. Great, uh, great stuff. And just for people uh, listening in, I mean, they may not know or understand the workings of local authorities, but what, what does your role entail as, as chief executive? Uh, it, it, is there a typical day? I'm guessing not really, because it's pretty much like any job in local government now. It, it, it varies hour by hour, I guess, really. But what what, what would you summarise as a sort of a, a, a typical day, the, the, the sort of things that you're dealing with? A, a typical day is um, <clears throat> probably best described as having a plan and an agenda for the day and then binning it by about 9.15, <laughs> really, when other things happen and take over. 
So, you know, a, a CEO role has um, something for everyone, shall we say, a bit of everything. Um, you know, lots of uh, uh, core business day job stuff with environmental services, social services, social care, health, etc. Lots of activity around the regeneration agenda, inevitably, I think, in, in most councils, but particularly here in, um, in, in Salford. Um, lots and lots of politics, inevitably, because a big part of my job is working at that um, and managing that interface between the officer core at the council and the political um, leadership. And, you know, to be frank, lots of surprises, Chris. I mean, we work with partners galore in the public sector, the private sector, the voluntary sector. But from one day to the next, you can have um, surprising things that happen politically. You obviously have a big element of um, crisis management if things go wrong and you've got to kind of react um, rapidly to that. And I think one of the most enjoyable bits of the job, to be honest, is... Um, most days involve to one degree or another an, an element of being an ambassador for the city and you know our politicians are here to do that first and foremost but increasingly these days as senior managers senior leaders we are personally you know very visible we're accessible <clears throat> and we get out and about on the circuit we want to talk to partners we want to talk up the city um, we want to work with people like yourselves in the chamber to promote Salford and to promote the agenda we've got and to you know keep ourselves very firmly on that internationally recognized map as a investor destination and a place to do business with absolutely and and, and Salford is also unique within the greater manchester authorities as having an elected city mayor in in, in mm -hmm. paul dennett how, how how do you work with paul because obviously you know that that's that is different like i said from the other uh, nine areas that make up Greater Manchester. We've obviously got Andy Burnham as the overall Greater Manchester elected mayor, but Salford, uh, like I said, the, the setup there is is quite different. How, how does your role work with Paul and, and vice versa? Yeah, I mean it, it is uh, it is very different in in governance terms. Um, I mean anybody who knows the kind of inner workings of how councils operate will, will know, you know, in a, in a mayoral model you have a much higher level of. Um, political autonomy you have higher levels of delegation you know and, and decision making that can be made through that role most importantly though um <clears throat> you have a higher level of visibility because of a personal mandate so whereas a council leader is elected by a particular ward and then becomes leader you know through the majority group a bit like the prime minister in parliament um the city mayor is elected by the whole city and um and paul's mandate was refreshed again at the local elections we had in May. We ran a huge volume of elections in the city in May for the city mayor, the whole council. It was all out elections for the whole council and for the Greater Manchester Mayor as well. So I think the role brings a level of um, authority, autonomy and mandate. And in any of these roles politically, Chris, you combine that with personality. And Paul is a very um, driven, very passionate, very committed leader. You know, I think his politics are very, very clear in terms of the direction he wants to give to the organisation in the city and his personal passions around anti-poverty and particularly housing and homelessness combined with inclusive growth are very, very strong. So for me, you know, that is not as a political comment, but that is a good fit in relation to values and all of the um, anti-deprivation things that drive me in my role. And I would describe our relationship as, you know, necessarily um, intense, quite honestly. You know, it is, uh, 
daily, often hourly, um, often half hourly contact. Um, and, uh, you know, we keep that, um, we keep that uh, alive because that's what drives what we do for the organization. And we need that visibility and contact. And it helps to absorb some of the other pressures that I get from the organization and that he gets politically through how we kind of fuse that relationship together. So, um, yeah, it's time intensive, but it's time intensive, I would say, in a very productive way for the city. Yeah, really unique insight then into, into a, a, a different setup from, from other areas in Greater Manchester. I love that phrase, necessarily intense. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow yeah. that one because uh, there's certain relationships I've got with people that are necessarily intense as well. So uh, I, yeah. I, I quite like that. And and I mentioned the other nine areas throughout Greater Manchester. Obviously, Salford's now is is like I said before, the reputation for doing things differently and doing them uh, really really well is 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 increasing. Is the friendly competition between the, those other local authorities and, and how much of that then gets turned into that sort of collaborative action? Because one thing to say about Greater Manchester is, you know, the local authorities here are, are, are focused on, on moving forward. But obviously, you know, you've got differences in each of those areas. How do you find it working with those other, other, other areas and regions within Greater Manchester? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Um... I think you, 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 it takes time to get used to how GM operates, but I think what's been an advantage for me personally is, is not being completely new to GM. You know, I've worked here before. I know the combined authority, a lot of the individuals, a lot of those relationships. And I think, you know, there is always a healthy competition between local areas because ultimately um, the individual local authority is trying to promote its place and, and its growth positively. I think what's different about GM, though, is the um, economic geography means, you know, we are essentially a monocentric um, city region as opposed to a, you know, a, a polycentric region, which was much more the case in West Yorkshire. Um, you know, we have interdependencies that we all know and recognise that means the regional centre and the big growth zones, including areas like the new Northern Gateway across um, Bury, Rochdale and Oldham, they've all got to be successful to keep the city region um, successful. And whilst we are, you know, at times, as you say, Chris, we're in, you know, healthy, productive um, competition. I think GM over decades now has been born on uh, collaboration and driven itself on that collaboration. And I think there are great examples going on <clears throat> of that on the agenda now, you know, all of our collective lobbying and our collective view on transport and infrastructure despite some of the recent disappointments um you know we're pushing in the same direction and we've got you know unified views as to how that network should operate and grow and where we want to take that in relation to mobility as well as carbon neutrality and also i think on <clears throat> innovation i would mention as well um you know we're coming together in terms of the sectors the economy that will drive the future um, uh, job supply and job opportunity for Greater Manchester and that's as true of the region as a whole as it is of the innovation triangle comprising you know Media City, the university and the hospital here in, in Salford really. So I think getting those agendas moving and getting a positive momentum where we're coming together for the region has been such an important part of GM all the way back to the birth of AGMA many many years ago and that's really what's driven the um, success combined with that economic geography that means 
you know, we are, we're, we're inevitably interdependent. And I think that's why in GM, um, in contrast, you might say to some other regions in the UK, you know, you do see bits of competition, but I don't think generally you see unhealthy competition. Um, and I think that's a positive and, you know, something that I very much subscribe to in the way that I want to carry out my role in Salford. That's a, that's a really interesting answer. And that, that was something I, I, I previous guests on the series, Robin Phillips, just wanted to know a little bit more about that, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of competition bit between uh, the, the areas within Greater Manchester. I'm just going to touch now on on um, on, on COVID and, and just to try and get your sense of what sort of impact that has had uh, on, you know, the both the, the City Council residents in Salford and also the businesses as well, because, you know, we're at an interesting stage in the pandemic now where we seem to be sort of over the worst, but there's always a sort of cloud on the horizon uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we're not quite sure where we're going obviously you, you've been in post and you you, you, you joined Salford sort of midway through uh, the pandemic or whatever but just from your view and your experience uh, what, what, what sort of impact has it had on everyday life <clears throat> within the city well I think on a public health and economic front Chris it's been pretty devastating to be honest I would say um you know everybody on a personal level has a story of attachment that's been impacted through COVID whether that's friends family um uh colleagues who've been ill if not who've passed away through the through through the pandemic and we've seen a very tricky challenging I think domestic and uh, mental health impact from the pandemic in relation to services we provide to the community, but also how we operate as organisations. And, you know, let's not forget that although we've carried on running all of those frontline services, we've also had significant imposition of um, restrictions and isolation and all of the kind of um, negative uh, connotations of all, all of that. And needless to say, the economy has been impacted. You know, we've lost significant um, volumes of GVA through restricted economic activity. We've had a lot of our leisure tourism um, destinations that have been closed throughout and and business impact and and the mobility um, of labour and of goods and services has all been quite hard hit. I think... On the upside, though, you might say there have been some kind of curious sort of byproduct benefits of all of this. I mean, clearly the um, temporary carbon footprint impact has not been a, a bad thing, although, you know, anyone trying to drive around the ring road or the M60 for that matter will know that that seems to be flipping back the other way rather too um, uh, rapidly. But I think organisationally as well, we've kind of proved the um, proved the case for both uh, very, very creative collaboration in response to COVID from public health all the way through to social care, housing and more besides. We've also proved the um, things we've been talking about, but not frankly delivering on for years around remote working and all of the possibilities of digital. So there are some, I think, organisational benefits that we can glean from all of this. My biggest fear with it, Chris, to be honest, is um, I think the economic bounce back is starting to come through but what really worries me is the hidden effects that COVID is now starting to reveal in children's services and domestic abuse and all of those sorts of things and those are you know those are big big pressures for the public sector to try and absorb in what was already quite a tight financial climate so you know I hope like you do that we're on the kind of pathway out of all this now I hope we don't see another 
uptick in, in, in case numbers. And I think we've to keep our pressure on the vaccine programme and more besides as part and parcel of this. But, um, you know, let's not pretend for a minute we're completely out of the woods yet, because I think there is still still a way to go on what's left of COVID in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sobering um, comments there, really. I think that uh, ring true with a, with a lot of people. Um, th mm. Thanks, Tom, for that. I'm going to turn around now to, uh, to something um, a lot more positive. <clears throat> and obviously the, um, the, the assets that, that Salford have, you know, for example, there's Media City, fantastic university. We've obviously got, you know, the uh, RHS Bridgewater uh, Gardens now, completely um, uh, another unique opportunity. How beneficial is it to Salford to have those types of things? I mean, and, and is it a case sometimes people get a little bit sort of blasé about it because they're there? Uh, and I guess it's a case really of having to constantly remind people and say, look, the, these are world-class assets we've got on our doorstep. And how do you make the most of those? I guess that's the, that's the trick, isn't it? It's one thing to have something like that. The next bit is how, how do you actually build and, and get the benefits in there? Yeah, no, absolutely is, Chris. And I think, you, you know, you've you've listed some of the, you know, the fantastic assets in, in the city. Um, and I think lots of people know the story around the development of those and the um, the benefits that they've brought, obviously, not just to Salford, but to Great Manchester and to the Northwest, really. And the RHS is almost the icing on the cake in that respect. It's a phenomenal um, uh, visitor attraction for the north of England, quite honestly. And that's... Um, uh, you know, no understatement. I think the complacency risk, though, that you, you, I think you're kind of alluding to is very real. And I, I, I kind of talk about that. I'm quite open about that, that what we cannot do in Salford is to pretend that it is job done um, in relation to those major kind of stellar attractions and, and, and regeneration success stories, because you know, the truth is, as I mentioned earlier, the um, deprivation statistics, the social exclusion and the enduring poverty in the city um, is a massive, massive challenge for us to confront. And I think the trick to this is for the council to um, never be reticent and always be brave and bold about talking about and developing that inclusive economy, inclusive growth agenda. A big part of the key to that for me is labour market and skills interventions to improve economic mobility and improve the accessibility of those new jobs um, to local residents who live here in the city. And I think without those kinds of interventions, there is always a risk that what you will see is the big shiny projects and what you won't see is the poverty and the enduring challenges for um, local residents and families that some of those can sometimes disguise quite honestly and you know we're very serious about that in the council I'm very serious about that personally um, the leadership team here is um, and absolutely our political leadership is very very determined about it and I think with that kind of backing you know we can get some traction get some inroads on those agendas and you know, we're very proud of the pipeline of projects we're very proud of the business relationships and all of the things we've got to go at here in Salford but um, we don't want to pretend that we're not a city without substantial poverty challenges to address. And, you know, in many ways, I think that is the um, the right and proper DNA for local authorities to deal with those issues. It's, it's difficult. It's not quick. Um, and it's kind of gritty determination that you need over many years to kind of turn the corner on those things. But it's something that we are absolutely serious about so that we don't become complacent about a track record of success that we've had to date.
Interesting points. And just picking up on that point as well, and, and the next question really is around sort of equality and inclusion strategy. And, and last week was uh, was Living yeah. Wage Week and Salford is a, a, a real living wage city, <clears> which, which is so important to get that bit in uh, about the real living wage, not just the, the, the national living wage, it's the real mm. living wage bit, uh, which is so important. And I guess that that is so important, isn't it, to, to underpin uh, the, the the investment that's coming in, the development of businesses there. How easy is it though to get that sort of traction and momentum going around those sort of strategies and, and that awareness? Uh, because obviously with things like the real living wage, you've got to get employers to to I'll say buy into it. They don't obviously have, have to buy anything, but they've got to take it on board. Is that still a struggle? Uh, uh, and, and are people a little bit more open to those type of things now? Well, I think being straight about it, Chris, yes, it is with some employers. You know, not everybody does buy into this whole agenda of um, social value and, and, and inclusion. But I think what lots of employers see in Salford is a not just a city council, but a um, city community and a private and voluntary sector environment here that is very, very serious about that whole agenda. I mean, that's why, you know, you mentioned the real living wage It's why we have um, more than doubled the number of um, major employers who subscribe to that in the city since we first, you know, pioneered that whole approach to um, taking taking the real living wage um, forward in the city. It's why I'm a commissioner on the Living Wage Foundation, so I'm actually involved in all of the kind of economics and policy around the level at which we set that real living wage um, nationally. And, you know, what, what we put out there is really a kind of challenge to people that, you know, yes, we are investment friendly, we are investment ready in many respects for um, significant pipeline of projects, we're, we're an enabler for regeneration and business growth and that whole environment. But that comes with conditionality. You know, we don't just see growth for growth's sake. We see growth conditional on that producing social value in the community. And a big part of that is about um, enabling people to cope better with what is increasingly a significant cost of living crisis. And it is enabling businesses to have a better environment in which they can really give back to the local community um, through uh, their activity here in Salford. And that means everything from the real living wage all the way through to um, our requirements and expectations in demonstrating social value through procurement. And we've got a lot of activity on that in the equality and diversity um, strategies that you mentioned. And we're serious about that for one simple reason, Chris, which is that anti-poverty deprivation agenda that I've mentioned um, already. You know, we don't expect to turn the corner on that overnight, but we expect to make serious interventions with serious partners on that. And the real living wage procurement and a whole host of other social value things are big, important contributions that we want to try to lead the way on here in Salford. Good stuff. Good, good, good answer. Um, and this leads me on to my next question. Obviously, we hear a lot, don't we, from governments about levelling up. Um, I'm still waiting of that definition in, in the, the long overdue white paper, I guess. In, in your mind, and looking over the next sort of five years to, to the plans you, you've got, you've, you've mentioned a few things already about, about the development of Salford. How does that fit with what you see needs doing to level Salford up? You know, if you were to say Salford needs levelling up, what have you got in the next five years that would actually enable that to uh, to take place? Um, well, I think, 
you know, I, I, I was giving a, an interview to one of the trade uh, uh, press um, magazines the other week, and I said Salford was the world's best levelling up opportunity, really. Um, and why is that? Because we've got such a kind of gap between um, <clears throat> the and the, the poverty experience, the lived experience of people in the city and um, the whole kind of growth of Greater Manchester and to some extent of our city centre here in Salford. So there are many interventions that are about job creation, that are about upskilling residents and that are about improving accessibility and mobility of our population across the city to access those opportunities that we could point at. I think, you know, everybody would... Um, uh, admit that the levelling up agenda is in policy terms the right thing to be focusing on to improve the prospects the growth the accessibility of the north of england but equally i think um no serious commentator on this would pretend that there is sufficient flesh on the bones yet as to how the government wishes to kind of deliver on that intent and i don't make that as a political comment but i think what we're seeing at the moment at best is sporadic capital investment but we're not seeing consistent um, uh, block capital investment at scale to enable proper infrastructure planning and delivery and the rail announcements last week are probably just the latest case in point on that but equally we're not seeing leveling up through revenue investment and that concerns me more in many respects Chris in relation to business growth opportunities all of the kind of shared prosperity fund um, uh, discussion that is really, really important to what we do with the Chamber and on our business growth initiatives and in relation to skills, lifelong learning and upskilling for our residents. So I think we just have to keep pushing on that agenda, quite honestly. And the optimist in me, and I am an optimist, you wouldn't work in local government if you weren't an optimist these days, quite honestly, but the optimist in me says... Um, I don't think the horse has bolted on that. <clears throat> I think the case is absolutely still there to be made for levelling up in the north. And I think Salford City Council is a significant player in that whole uh, debate. And if the government is looking for investable propositions that they can use to um, deliver levelling up, you know, we're here to have that conversation, as we've proved recently by winning the Salford Rise infrastructure investment um, over at the university, despite us not being prioritised as a as a priority one levelling up area. So I think that proves the case that, you know, if you can if you can make the case with projects that are ready to run that are going to have a real tangible social and economic benefit, then the government is actually prepared to listen, and we're here to have more of that debate and more of that action um, if they want to come and talk to us about it. Stuff. And the final question is um, is really about the, the role of businesses in Salford and, and you know what what more can the business community be doing to help you and is there a role for the chamber within that to to deliver some of these uh, th these ideas and, and and to really get the ball rolling on, on some you know what 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 sounds to be a, a great strategy going forward and, and will deliver for the future. So what what more if anything can, can businesses be doing uh, to support that? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we, we've got plenty of uh, investment opportunities and, and, and schemes good to go. I think probably the two things that excite me most about that new business environment are the social value agenda and working with employers who are really prepared to kind of take that seriously and, and, and want to come to Salford and 
you know, as new investors or even want to expand their existing activities in the social value arena to help to make an impact. And secondly, innovation. And there's a whole host of different uh, components to that from robotics, advanced manufacturing, um, healthcare technologies, and obviously digital and production. And we've got a, a massive, exciting, already thriving ecosystem around innovation here in Salford. And we want that to um, go further across the innovation triangle and the, you know, those key nodes for us of the hospital, the university um, and media city. So very exciting business environment, I think, Chris. And, you know, as we've been doing recently, um, uh, trying to make that a really strong partnership and an even stronger partnership between our work and the Chamber's work in Salford and across GM is um, absolutely something that we want to be part of. You know, we've got a new senior business leaders forum we've set up together with yourselves, which we're looking to get more folk engaged in. And, you know, wherever we can, even taking the Salford story out to the other districts through some of the chamber events is something we're really keen to do. So I think tons to go out there and, you know, very much looking for a strong partnership with the chamber to help us to take that forward over the medium term. Brilliant. Tom, thank you so much uh, for your time uh, this morning. Hopefully your, your plan for the day hasn't been wrecked. Uh, so far, but uh, it's but been improved by this event, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, good, good to hear, Tom. Uh, like I said, th thank you so much. Extremely busy uh, time as, as ever, and uh, to get uh, thirty minutes or so of your time to answer some questions and also get a bit of an insight uh, in, into uh, your role, but also the the work that's going on in Salford is is absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for that. Um, we have got uh, our next guest lined up. Um, it's Karen Smart, who's the MD for Manchester Airport, uh, and she will be on our Leaders Series event on the 7th of December. That's going to be the last one uh, that we're running uh, this year. But in the meantime, Tom, thank you once again uh, for your time. Thank you as well for joining us uh, and look out for the uh, the podcast, the, uh, the, the YouTube uh, video of this event, uh, and also look, uh, look out for future events in this series. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure, Chris. Nice to see you all.